When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. And welcome to the news meeting. This is the podcast where we bring you into the newsroom to hear the arguments that happen every day in newsrooms everywhere. The meeting to decide what leads the news. Three journalists are going to pitch their top story of the week to me, and together we're going to try and make sense of what the story is, why it matters, perhaps even where it goes, and which one should top the running order. I'm James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise. I've previously edited the Times newspaper. I was the director of BBC News. So my job in all of this is to try and make a judgment about what should lead the news. From Tortoise, welcome to the news meeting. Joining us this week to pitch their stories are Jess Winch, who's Tortoise's news editor. Hello, Jess. Good morning. Hello there. Uh, Kat Nealon is here too, Tortoise's political editor. Hello. Hello, Kat. And the great Basher Cummings, an editor at Tortoise and the host of the Slow Newscast. Basher, very good to see you. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us. Before we get into what each of you think mattered most this week, let's have a quick reminder of what's happened in the past seven days. It is official. U.S. President Joe Biden is running for re-election in 2024. Diane Abbott in the spotlight for claiming in The Observer that Jewish people experience prejudice, but not racism. Look, uh, I'm sure I've made mistakes over four and a half years, but the question was whether any of this amounted to bullying. The government will be ensuring that more people will stay enslaved and in exploitation as a result of this bill. The UN has said that a 72-hour ceasefire between the two sides, the Sudanese army and a rival paramilitary group, does appear to be holding. Our heart is our people there, and I hope they find a solution, and this will end soon, and we return back to our country. Right, well, let's get started. What do each of you think we should be covering this week? Let's do it in a single sentence, long story short. Jess, what's your story? Here we go again. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Is that a story you're going to bring every week? It's just, a, it's just the multi-use headline for all stories. <laughs> Kat, what's yours? Mine is The Uncivil War. Basho. Sudan dared to ask for more. Here we go again, The Uncivil War and Sudan, comma, dared to ask for more, or Sudan, dared to ask for more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say there's a comma. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure it makes any more or less no. sense than that. Jess, why don't you start? Here we go again. So here we go again. This is a story about a rematch that no one really wanted, but it looks likely to happen oh, I see. anyway. Yes, see here, we go again. here we go again. It's Joe Biden against Donald Trump for the yes. US presidential election in 2024. The bout that no one can sell a ticket to. No <laughs> one wants to go. This is a brave call of yours, Jess, isn't it? The story, that, the, the, the story of the Biden-Trump 
election or re-election contest that I think, what is it, 5% of Americans? Not what? many people want this rematch. Okay, so tell us it's where we're at. It's fair to say. I think it's around 70% of Americans don't want Biden to run again. That includes about 50% of Democrats. And I've seen some different polling on Trump, but it looks as though about 60 to 70% of Americans also don't want him to run again, including about a third to 40 or so percent of Republicans. But on Tuesday, Joe Biden officially announced his re-election campaign. That's four years to the day since he announced his first run at the presidency. Um, so the starting gun has been fired. And at the moment, Donald Trump looks like the man who's going to be his match. So I think this is a really, it is really interesting because obviously the contest to be the president of the United States, one of the most important stories in the world, it is that every week of the year from here until the first week of November 2024. What I don't understand with this story is it's not at this stage surprising. Biden's been hinting he's going to run. Trump is out effectively running. So would we be doing this story? Would it lead the news because... It is a bit boring. It's not very exciting, but it is important. What what's, what propels still, it to the top of the running order? As you say, the US presidential election is one of the most consequential that you ever see. Yes. And I think while it might not be surprising, it is important for that reason. And we're also in unprecedented territory here because we've never been in this situation before where a president, if Biden wins and goes through the next term, is going to be 86 when he leaves office. The last time, the last, before Biden, the previous oldest president was Ronald Reagan, and he left office age 77. Biden was 77 when he was elected the first time. So this, this, isn't, this isn't a moment that has a historical parallel. We've not been here before. If you are leading the news on it, you've got to bring something that tells people something they don't know, that mm -hmm. gives people an insight that makes you think, Oh yeah, there is something I need to understand more deeply. It, 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 do you think it, it's the age question? Is that the, is that where you'd go in? I think it's partly the age question. I think it's also worth reflecting that Biden, while yes, he's old and he's acknowledged that voters will take a long, hard look at that. He's got a record in office that I think hasn't been properly acknowledged yet. That doesn't hmm. make him as risky a bet as perhaps people assume when they see him making a speech and they see that yes, he is an old. There's no denying the fact he is an old man. He's a president that managed to get a better midterms election result than most people expected. They managed to hold on to the Senate. He's managed to put in a huge amount of money to try and make uh, America's economy a lot greener. He's putting a huge amount of, and, of money and effort into making sure that semiconductor chips are manufactured in America and reducing a dependence on Taiwan. Uh, and he's proven, which he claimed he could do on the campaign trail, and this has proven to be true, that he can make deals happen in the Senate. He's also the only person that has beaten Trump before. So I think while a lot of Democrats might feel a little uninspired by this, they will they will come behind him. To be fair, they were uninspired by him first the time first round. time round. Kat, as a paid-up member of the International Union of Political Editors, <laughs> who I'm sure <laughs> is required to think that polit politics stories must always lead the news, <laughs> what do you think of this? Um, I think it's interesting. I think um, my interest would be more around uh, who their running mates are. Oh, for the yes. obvious reasons that, I mean, Donald Trump is no spring chicken either. Um, so there is a high chance that whoever is in office, mm. you know, at some point might get ill, at some point might not even, you know, make it. So whoever is, is the Veep, 
is suddenly an interesting, an interesting, a and much potentially more, yeah, much more consequential person. person. So we're kind of working on the basis that it's probably going to be uh, Kamala Harris uh, for Biden. Who is Trump going to pick? Basha, do you look at this story and think actually it's just important? You've got to accept some weeks. What matters is what really matters, and who leads the United States, particularly if it is potentially Donald Trump again, you've just got to respect the fact that's really significant and it leads the news. I think that's right. But I think you also have to take into account how the story plays, which is that it is like a sort of collective grimace. Nobody likes it. (laughs) Everybody feels depressed by it, Republicans and Democrats. And I think the, the question it raises for me is where is the political talent in America? How is it that these two old men are the best they've got? Mm. And I think that says something really crucial about how politicians are raising through the ranks, how the parties are organized, how they think about themselves. Um, But I have to say... Not just in America. (laughs) Not just in America, no, I think here too. But I think every time I see Biden talking, walking, I'm sort of braced for the worst. There is a moment here where you could stand back and say, not just the United States, all democracies have a problem. And this is a moment for us to reflect on that. And that's why it's a significant story. Is that, is that too much of a stretch, Jess? <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm trying to help you on this, but that's, that, I'm trying to get to the point and go, yes, we do lead on this story, and I can't quite see why. Yes, if you wanted to look at it in the sense of, you, you could look at the other um, potential contenders just within the Democratic Party, because they do have some real talent there that you could have, you'd have thought Joe Biden would have spent the last four years if Kamala Harris was seen as perhaps not the person seen as the, who could, assume office should the worst happen and he hasn't he hasn't done that and there's a kind of correlation here or at least a kind of echo here in the UK isn't there which is Rishi Sunak has had some success by making politics boring again right yes. Joe Biden has done something similar it's interesting to think is the correct response to populism is the correct response to quote unquote charismatic leadership is let's get boring yeah but that i think that works for one term I think that's a that's a short-term strategy for the Democrats, which was stabilise. But then, to Jess's point, they should have been nurturing the next name to take over. I think now it just looks it looks too boring. Do you just just before we go to Cat Story, Basha? Do you think the U.S. presidential election, particularly with these two characters, is significant and significant, obviously for the U.S. democracy? It's the kind of story that you instinctively think leads the news or is there just sort of an inner groan and you think can we do better than that i think both things are true (laughs) i think there is an inner groan but i think it is very important i don't think it should lead this week but i think there's an argument that it should lead at some point but i think incumbents (laughs) saying they are going the election (laughs) well incumbents saying they're going to run again regardless of whether it's biden or anyone else is kind of a bit of a shrug and a so what it will get more interesting when we know for sure that Trump is going to win and the fight between him and DeSantis. I hope he's will... not certainly going to win. Well, but you know, yes. it, there's a reason why the curse, it's yeah. a curse, not a wish. May you live in interesting times, right? You know. The inter- I, think, I think the moment, curiously, the one thing we haven't talked about, and I guess we'll come back another week to talk about this, is w- what makes it possible that either or neither of them end up being the candidate? And that's what we haven't really got to, but but not because I don't think we're imaginative enough because we haven't seen any signs of it yet. No, um, all right, Kat, let's let's get to the get, get to your story. So, so 
Yes, as you say, because uh, I, I naturally believe that all politics stories are the most interesting one. It will not surprise you to know that I am doing a politics story. Um, this is the fallout from the Dominic Raab uh, investigation, which concluded last week that uh, two counts of bullying were upheld. Um, but this, the, the way that I want to look at it is about what that says about the relationship between ministers and civil servants at a really critical time for our public services, policy making. So Dominic Raab resigned very begrudgingly and went down fighting saying, you know, this is going to lower the threshold for what constitutes bullying and ministers are going to find it much more difficult to actually get on if we can't, you know, be robust with the officials when we feel that they're not working properly. Um, Another minister was named, um, this time Steve Barclay, the health secretary was uh, named as having um, uh, there are sort of informal complaints against him nothing formal as yet but I think what's interesting on that and and it's obviously been um, uh, rejected and denied by by his team is that although The Guardian wrote the story other journalists were saying actually we were on the case with that as well and Is is he known to be uh I don't know what the right phrase is. Robust. Well, I find out this is at the heart of the question, isn't it? It's where is the right level? Why do we even as voters want our politicians to be? Because we do want them to cut through the kind of sludge of things not happening. And so there's a a robustness or unreasonableness or decisiveness. I I think this is is an interesting question, right? What, What is bullying? Is bullying shouting at someone? Because Dominic Raab was very much at pains to say, I never shouted at anyone. And actually, I think you could say, well, bullying can be much more insidious than that. It can be manipulative. It can be, you know, sort of, uh, you don't need to raise your voice to make someone feel bad. And it sort of comes to this dysfunctional work environment that we hear about all the time in Westminster, which is, you know, kind of how it's not a proper, um, you know, there's no central HR function, there's not a proper sort of hiring and firing right. thing. I mean, it's slightly different with Whitehall, but certainly with MPs and their staff, that, that is an ongoing issue that's not really resolved. Now, as well as as well as well Rob, and of course, before that, uh, Gavin Williamson, um, and this week, Steve Barclay, there's also been allegations about Alok Sharma, which we were talking about before you came in. He seems like a very cuddly guy, yes. right? Um, but um, apparently has has made people upset. But one of the um, allegations is that he would call people without warning um, to tell them off and it would make them upset. Now, I do think there is a sort of generational thing here about younger millennial people not used to speaking on the phone. It's all communication by text and, and email. And having a phone call, some people really, it's a generational thing, find very um, aggressive. And, and, and by the way, there are many people who think that an email or a text yeah. is um, lacking in decency or courtesy yeah. if you've got a problem with someone. And, and things like if you put a full stop person. at the end of a, a, a tweet or a message, that seems passive aggressive. There are these kind of... Oh, but what to say? Say yeah. that again. Putting a full stop at the end of a, a at the end of a, a WhatsApp message, particularly at the end of a text. Yeah, Very people aggressive. find passive aggressive. A full stop. Yeah. No. Yeah. You see, I think if it doesn't have a full stop, it's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> there you are. Uh, hold on, Jess. Shall we? Uh, what do you What do you make of uh, all of this? I mean, I don't want to say it personally to you. I'm just going to text you that <laughs> no, question with or without a full stop. <laughs> Jess, full stop. What do you think of all this? God, I'm fired. <laughs> the um. 
I think there's a problem. If you get a reputation of being a bad boss, people won't want to work for you. And I think that happened in Rob's case, that people actively tried not to be put into his department, which then inevitably has an impact on the work you are able to do as a department if you can't attract the best talent. So I think regardless of whether it was two bully I think it was two bullying claims that were eventually that were upheld. upheld yes but yeah. I mean, overall I've, I've heard stories from people s- s- officials saying that his private office were shaking yeah. and in tears at the, uh, having to deal with him so there is a, perhaps it is a reputational thing but there is this kind of haze around him that seems to sort of there is one thing obviously we should just say there is one thing about this story is that you know food prices are going through the roof. There's a huge amount of kind of real world pressure on, in people's lives. And they will look at this Rob story and think, I can't believe that the journalism, that the media is spending so much time okay. squabbling amongst but itself. But it's not just about personalities. There is a sort of real world impact on this. Um, and so I just... Um, is there? Is there? Yeah. Rob goes down and comes in. I mean, really? But how can... Because it's not just about these individuals. It's about... Well, Basha, what do you think of this? Sorry. I, I think it's a bigger point I don't I don't think it's about where the line is specifically and you know if Rob raised his voice or didn't or Pretty Patel did or didn't I think it's about a culture of accountability I think if you treat people you work with with disdain you create an environment where they're scared where they're not sure what your expectations of them are where, where they're not sure what the metrics they're being judged against they don't know what mood they're going to find you in I think that shows a an attitude to your own power and the power of your position, which reflects incredibly poorly on how they think about their role in politics and what their job is. So I think I think that why for, is why for me it feels like an important story, because if that is happening, not just with Rob, but all the other names you've mentioned, it shows that there is an approach to politics, which I think is incompatible with accountability, transparency and good government. But just bash, sort of, to cut to it, is it a story that leads well, not after you've heard my story. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the way this is supposed to work. So in the spirit of openness and generosity, let's have another go at that. Is it a story that leads? Um, is it a story that leads? I think in the broader sense about a breakdown in the relationship between politicians and the civil service and the people who run government and who actually facilitate government, I think it is a big story. Jess? I think it's a big story. I'm not sure it's a story that leads this week. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Basha, let's go to your story. So my story is surprising in the speed, which may um, work in its favor, but unsurprising if you look at the last 20 years. So I think Sudan should lead the news um, this week. And I'm saying that because from all the newspapers and websites, you will have seen that it has been leading. But I think it's been leading on the wrong thing, which is that we've been focused on the evacuation of British nationals or foreign nationals. And I think that is a distraction um, from the real story, which is that this is a country of 46 million people. Um, It's going to have a huge regional impact. So if you think about the Arab Spring and you think about where this started, which is that four years ago, the Sudanese youth rose up against Omar al-Bashir and they said, we've had enough of this dictator, genocidal, corrupt. They got rid of him. Um, It's now all fallen apart. And when you look at the trend across the Middle East and North Africa, if you look at Egypt, which has now, you know, had a successful revolution, has now essentially returned to a re-established old regime. You look at Libya, Yemen and Syria. Are we about to see the same thing happen in Sudan? Presumably, there is going to be an exodus of people from Sudan. And where do do you go? Is is that happening already? It's happening already. It's happening at great scale. Um, So if you think about the countries that border Sudan. So already they're estimating that around 270,000 people are going to flee into South Sudan and Chad, which if you know anything about those two countries, you'll know that they're incredibly volatile, poor. And South Sudan in particular, you know, they saw amazing things online of South Sudanese welcoming Sudanese evacuees. Um, But the history of those two countries is bloody and brutal. and, And there's a high likelihood that it will destabilize parts of South Sudan too. Obviously, the the fact of these two generals, one is with the army, one is with the rapid, um, the RSF, as it's known, the rapid support forces. The clash between them also relates to Darfur because the RSF was set up under Omar al-Bashir as a way of clamping down on unrest in Darfur, which is in the West. And you might remember back in the 2000s, that was a scene of genocide, mass rape, mass killings and famine. And so the fact that this force has now come, you know, it's very well armed. It was sort of coaxed under Bashir for many years. It's now a major force within the country, a paramilitary force has fallen out with the army. It's going to spread regionally. And I think, you know, it's one of the really, I think it's a problem about news reporting is that we think as editors that people won't care, that we have to give them a reason to care, which is British nationals, British passports. And I think that's a failure of imagination and creativity on our part, which is to say you should care about the 46 million who are going to be stuck there. Jess, what do you think? I think I think Sudan leads the news this week. I think <laughs> that's, I'm just going to say it. And for the same reason, but as Basha said so well, it's not because of the evacuations, which is what you've seen leading the news. It's because of um, what this means for the people who are left behind in the country. Kat, what do you think of the story? So I agree. I just think our stories, Jess and my stories, sort of pale into insignificance compared to what's going on in Sudan. But I think, I think, I think it is 
a struggle to get a domestic audience interested in a country that seems so remote. I mean, I think I get a sense of where this is going. <laughs> but why don't we um, just do the rounds? Uh, Jess, what story do you think should lead this week? Sudan. Basha, uh, on the basis that you're not allowed. I can't on to say this again. You're not allowed to say your own story. <laughs> so, Basha, what's yours? Uh, Biden. And what's yours? Cat, you can't say, I'm afraid, the civil service, Westminster, Whitehall, SW. <laughs> well, I was going to say Sudan, but no, Sudan. All right. Well, I will give you my uh, quick take and t- try to sum up. Um, uh, I'm going to suggest that we lead on Sudan, but I'm going to come back to, I think, why and how. Um, I think that, fun enough, I listened to this conversation and reminded why I really like working in a slow newsroom because you keep pressing at what actually matters in the story rather than thinking that you've got to have something you know, shiny and new. I actually think that the Rob story is really, really interesting in the way in which Kat frames it, which is a fundamental breakdown of the civil service and elected politicians at a time when the UK faces really difficult uh, choices. I also think there are a couple of things, one personal and one cultural in the story, that really interests me. We tend to lionise unreasonable people like Steve Jobs, for example, and say that's what makes for, you know, extraordinary outcomes. And then when you see unreasonableness close up, you know, we demonize it. So I think there's some interesting question there. And I also have to say that in our conversation, I felt an awkward pain at being the granddad in the generational divide, (laughs) where I realized that I don't understand what a full stop means. Um, But actually, I think there is something in this story that will echo and speak to people where there'll be a bunch of people who are saying, goodness me, can't these people just pull their socks up, you know, grow up and realize that conversations in the workplace can be pretty, you know, punchy. And others will say, no, that's the problem, is you think that you get the best out of people in the combative environment, and that's not right, and we need to do something about that. So I think there's something cultural in that. All of that said, Cal, I still think it's the third story of the week. The second story I run would, be, would run is Biden-Trump. The reason for it is obviously just the significance of the election of the US president, but I think specifically... The age question is a searching one for us. I think that we really know what we think and feel about leadership at that age and just don't know how and when to say it. But if you look at the polling, Americans know exactly uh, what they're trying to say. And also, I think there's a forcing mechanism in this story, which is beginning to look for others. It will force a process of beginning to look for others. But Basher, I think that Sudan does lead... Um, It leads exactly as you say, not on the basis of images of uh, US military personnel or, you know, British uh, 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 people in combat fatigues. It, It leads in the context of Sudan itself. I do think there are two big themes that are worth linking into. I do think migration is one because I think that such things spill. And I also think the global picture of instability is something that we just need to keep on coming back to. Just in this week, Colombia, Venezuela, you you keep seeing country by country incredible instability. And I know we talked about food prices in the UK, but something is happening. And something is happening as a consequence of the war in Ukraine, fertilizer prices, the rise in the cost of living. Everything is unstable. For that reason, I would lead uh, on Sudan. So the running order, at least for this week, for what it's worth from the news meeting, is Sudan, Biden-Trump, the war between civil service and elected politicians between Whitehall and Westminster. 
All right, well, with that, that's it for this week's news meeting. Thank you to Jess, to Kat and to Basha for bringing your stories. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm away next week, so Tortoise's very own Liz Mosley is going to be in the editor's chair. I think I'm right in thinking she's the person who's picked the lead story most times of anyone who's joined us, so I look forward to her judgment of Solomon in all of this. She's going to be joined by three more Tortoise journalists who will all be trying to convince her that they've got the story that mattered the most. Please join her and them for the news meeting. And in the meantime, please do rate and review this show on whatever podcast app you use. It really does make a difference. Thanks so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.